Welcome to A Fresh Take, where we look at timely and timeless issues through the lens of biblical truth. I'm your host, Mark Pennell, joined each week by Pastor Paul Sartorelli of Trinity Church in Metro, Ohio. This is our chance to take a look at important biblical, cultural, and contemporary topics that resonate for all listeners. Thanks for joining us today. This is A Fresh Take. I'm Mark Pennell, along with Paul Sartorelli. He's the leader here at uh, Trinity and Mentor, and it's up there on the North Coast, real close to uh, Pennsylvania, actually. And Canada. Yeah, right. If we yell it loud enough, they may be able to hear us. There are times where you actually, you and I have been walking along the lake, and my phone will switch. Really? To ATT Canada or Verizon Canada or something. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to check mine out to do that. Um, Okay, first of all, let me start by asking you this question. We're doing the Ten Commandments, and I remember before I became a believer, commandment, it's such a hit. You're going to tell me what to do? Yeah, ten suggestions then. Yeah, okay. Try this one. (laughs) It may work. It may not. No, explain a little bit about why about the commandments and what were they meant for and where were they supposed to go? Okay, so let's go back historically. These were given at Mount Sinai, which was heading into Palestine, into Canaan. And this, this, these were the laws, along with all the other mm-hmm. priestly laws and um, judicial laws. These were part of the laws of this new country. Okay. And these were the covenant people of God. The Ten Commandments are, are sort of a, a beautiful um, sample of the moral will of God for these people. These people were intended to be a blessing to all the nations around them, and they were intended to be an example of what their God's name is Yahweh, of what the followers of Yahweh would are to live like, right. to sort of attract them to follow Yahweh, because this is the way they live. Fast forward to the New Testament, also as followers of Jesus of the New Covenant, these commands still apply to us along with the spiritual implications inside them. So they are commands. They are a reflection of the will of God. And in a sense, they are the way God intends his people to live. They are not a way of getting in with God. They're not a way of earning your salvation. Oh, no, your your redemption is assumed. They've been redeemed out of Egypt. We've been redeemed in Christ. The relationship with God's assumed. And now as a child of God, this is the manner in which he expects his children to live. Those are the commands. Okay, the first four, uh, I've I've already found that I break them all the time. We can't live up to them, can we? Not even close. No, we try. We, we and to. we should try yeah. and keep trying. And th- uh, if you're a follower of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the new heart that's given you, um, the ability to keep them from the inside out. In other words, so instead of not just don't murder, it's don't hate. Yeah. Don't instead of don't commit adultery, don't lust. The ability from the inside out, in yes. depending upon the Holy Spirit, does get a bit easier. But we'll still break them. And as the Apostle Paul will mention in the in the New Testament, the these were meant to be sort of a a strict schoolmaster. Okay. As a Catholic boy, I think of a nun. A strict schoolmaster to show us where we don't measure up and where we need Christ who fulfilled the commands for us. And therefore, his obedience becomes our righteousness. Okay. 
Now, let's get on to it because uh, we're on number five. Number five. Honor your father and your mother that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Okay. There are two parts to this, basically, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. First of all, I have to start by saying this was a stumbling block before I became a believer and still today until actually I started reading this. I found it fascinating how I was liberated by it. My dad was not a good man. We've talked about that before. He was just not a good man at all. He probably would have been in prison if he had been found out on some of the things he did. And he was not a good father, not just a good man. He was not a good father. So I found it kind of hard to, how can you honor your mother and father? The father, it's, it's, that's real tough to do. So what do I do? Um, that's a very good question. You, you, you talk about a few things there. One is, um, first you were an adult and I think it's really important to start with that as an adult, you're reflecting on that. So often we've got this command on the wall of a Sunday school class of eight year olds and say, this is for them, but it's not for us. You're right. This is for, this is for them, but it is for us as adults. We need to understand what does it mean to honor it? It, it clearly means to um, respect the role it, I think it also has at times to do with um, finances for adults. Yeah. In the New Testament, there's a phrase that I think is really interesting where the Apostle Paul says um, that we, that an elder is worth double honor. So there's a money thing there. No. So for us as adults, as your parents are getting older and maybe they're running out of cash, mm-hmm. um, instead of expecting the government to completely take care of your parents, um, honor or your father and mother there could have there could be a price tag to it and yet to answer your question it doesn't mean to excuse their um, ill behavior it doesn't mean to gloss over immorality or law breaking or anything like that um, first and foremost we are to honor the lord right. and his will and then whether it's um, the other authority structures whether it's parents or government in as much as they line up with the character of God, we honor them because God has created those authority structures, church, government, family. But when the when the family structure goes 180 degrees away from the character of God, I think you are right to hesitate mm-hmm. and ask, what does it mean to honor my my father and mother? I don't think it means to to blast them publicly, but I think it does mean to check yourself on it. Oh boy. I don't let Paul in on some of these questions because I want to, I want to put him to the test and have you find out just how smart he is. I didn't wait to put it. I guess. (laughs) Anyway, the bottom line is this all came from when we used to take walks. I brought this up before, but I just have to clarify. We used to take walks and I'd get curious and ask you these questions. And you always answered them, and, and th- th- I was always enlightened. And we thought maybe we ought to record these sessions. So that's kind of like, let's pretend you and I are taking that wood, mm-hmm. woods walk. Right I don't know where it's going with this one. Right. That's not my point. I did a little bit of research, <clears throat> for those of you that are watching it, just so I was understanding the ten, this command a little bit. But I don't know where Mark is leading me. This the the root word of honor is, and if you can explain this, I'll I'll pay it fifty bucks. KBD. It's a word in Hebrew. Chavad. Chavad. Yeah. And it means 
It means a whole bunch of things. It means not just honor. It means heaviness. It means heavy, yes. It means God's majesty to enrich, to fear, and it implies submission to authority. Which one of these meanings are we supposed to follow? They're all the same. Think about it. God's majesty to, it can, it can even mean to worship chavad. And so it take in its, in its most um, secular meaning, if I could use that word, it does mean heavy, Okay, you know? So this book isn't heavy, but maybe its content is heavy. Okay, And so th- the weightiness of God, he's a heavy dude, man, yeah, yeah. Uh, ought oh, to cause man. you to worship him. The weightiness of the parental structure that God has created ought to cause you to be careful in the way you carry it around and in the way you honor it. And so if something is heavy, you will, um, you will respect its weight. And that's what it sort of means. Now, don't take literal weight. I know what you mean. So if you have a chubby dad. It's, it's, it's a more, weighty subject. Yes. And yeah. so so parenting, fathering, mothering is weighty. It's heavy. And so because of its heaviness, it requires an appropriate response. It all goes together. Okay. You did your homework. Wow. What? And I'm glad I remembered my Hebrew. Yeah, really? I thought I'd get you on that one. I really didn't. Chabad? Chabad. It's like you're hawkering. Chabad. Okay, now, this is something kind of off the subject, but I have always wanted to know this, and I think it should be clarified. Um, God-fearers was around the time of, of Christ or after him, right? Yes. And they weren't particularly believers yet, but they were maybe on the right track. Is that right? Well, let me let me go a little further back. What does it mean to fear the Lord. Now, it's obvious that we should all fear the Lord, Lord, because he could go Poof, and I'd be gone just like that. Uh, or the, you know, the world would shift off its axis and we'd all be spinning off. My point is, there's a different side to fear the Lord. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Well, very good. It would be similar to heavy. So to fear the Lord is to, um, I'll use the word honor, honor, respect him for who he is mm-hmm. in all that he is. So to fear the Lord is to respect him in his glory. It's to respect him and therefore worship him. Mm-hmm. It's to respect him in all his knowledge mm-hmm. and therefore to gain wisdom from him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is to respect him in his holiness and therefore to fear his ability to judge me. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, it's almost like we teach our little, our little children about policemen, let's say, mm-hmm. and don't be, don't fear the policeman, but respect the policeman. Okay. okay. We get that. However, if you're going 90 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour zone and you get pulled over and the policeman is now walking up to your teenager's driver's side, that feeling in his stomach is fear mm. because the the judgment of the law is about to come on him. So it includes that as well. So th- I will answer. Can I just, because you started it yeah. that way. I wasn't sure where you're going with it, especially in the book of Acts. It mm. talks about God fearers okay. and it's sort of Luke's tag for primarily Gentiles who have um, been introduced to the God of Israel oh. and are not 
against it. They actually are interested in it, but have not been introduced to Christ yet. And so you, I think you, what was the phrase you used? They're sort of on their way there. And that's the way Luke presents them. They're sort of on their way there. And all they need is a little tipping point of, oh, and that this God that you're fearing, he sent his son Christ to die for your sins. If you'll bow to him, if you'll believe in him, you'll have eternal life and purpose in life. And I can understand that to some extent. I, I don't think we quite realized just what it was like in those days where uh, the the Greeks and the Romans had adopted these, you know, hundreds of, I don't know how many, gods to follow. Mm-hmm. There were multitudes of gods to follow for yes. various reasons. And we and here comes this guy that says, no, I'm the one and only. One and only. That's weird. Yes. And the fact that he's holy yeah. and judging, you know, all of the gods of Rome added together could not call on holiness. And so if you know anything about the first century Roman empire, Mm. debauchery won the day. Um, Study the life of Caligula uh, for one, and you'll realize how uh, debased the the morality of the leadership of Rome was. And a lot of it was under the applause of their gods. Mm. So, to have one God who is a holy God that calls on righteousness is totally foreign to them. And that's one of the reasons that the, the Ten Commandments were written, so to speak, was because they didn't have the laws. They didn't, they didn't know what to do. This they was just, a standard. Well, um, so how did you get from fear to this command? I'm wondering. Um, it was kind of a tangent I went on because okay. I, I just wanted to make sure that it was clear when you, again, I'm, I'm trying to trying to relate to a person who doesn't know the Lord. To be a fearful person of the Lord. Yes, there are times when I'm trembling and I'm on my knees and I'm mm-hmm. I'm asking for his forgiveness and all that. But there's also this, this, as you said, this great respect for them. Yes. Where when you say you're fearful, it's just it's almost there's a comfort in the fact that he is almighty and powerful. Mm-hmm. And that I have this this trust in him. Does that make sense? Yes. And uh, let me build the bridge then. This is command number five. And we always talk about the two tablets of the Ten Commandments, five and five. So the the two tablets of the law are horizontal and vertical, sort of. The the vertical ones are clear. I am the Lord your God, no gods before me. No idols. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And even Sabbath day, it's his day. So it's still all vertical. Right. Now we go horizontal and command number five sounds horizontal. Yes, it does. Some would say, and their scholars debate this, they say, no, we're still on the vertical side because the parents are, in a sense, the representatives of the authority of God in your life. In other words, God is in heaven, still transcendently ruling over you, but has given you parents to, in a sense, to be your rulers. And so to go with the idea of fear, there should still be the, the idea of respect. There should still be the idea of honor father and mother. And I guess, especially if you're a child and if you break the rules of the house and there's a a bit of godly discipline, there's a little bit of fear there as well. So it does sort of make sense. But then it says that uh, I just read this the other day, but uh, six through 10 are a person, how the person is to live in covenant, the covenant community with his fellow man. Yes, indeed. So that's kind of a different... That's that's kind of grouped as, together separately. Mm-hmm. And so honor your father and your mother are almost the, the hinge between the first ones and those ones. Okay. 
I'm going to ask you a little bit about uh, the difference between obey and honor. That's good. I think of obey as being a surface thing. We're going to, I'm going to do something for you because it's, it's, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to um, obey what you ask, you know, what I'm being told to do. Whereas honor is deeper. It's almost a thing underneath, in, mm-hmm. inside. Yes. And honor can even, might even be able to include disobey. Hmm, interesting. So you work for a company and you honor your employer. You honor him. You show him respect. You come to work on time. You fulfill your job requirements. You honor his or her role as superior. Okay. And then out of the blue, your superior tells you to fudge the books or to lie about something. I think in good conscience, you can disobey that while continuing to honor your employer. Now, your employer might fire you. That might be the consequence. But you can still honor the company and an employer. It's the same way with the government. I think as good citizens, we should honor our government. Mm -hmm. And yet, if there ever comes the point where our government tells us, you cannot proclaim the name of Jesus, I'll still honor my government, but I won't obey that command. They might throw me in jail like they did to Peter and John, but... I can still honor the government and disobey it. Okay. Okay. Now, the, the, the second half of this thing that I thought was interesting, it only comes in Deuteronomy, and that is that you that you will prosper, that you have a long life. Mm-hmm. That really threw me because uh, that's not a problem. I mean, I don't want to say God doesn't break his promises, but, you know, there's somebody that, that honors their mother and father in the most biblical sense, and then he dies at 38. What's, what's this all oh, that's about? A, that's really good observation. Okay, what he's doing in Deuteronomy that you will prosper, he's sort of reiterating what he said in the first place um, and, and in the Exodus 20 when he says that you may live long in the land okay. that the Lord your God has given you. And in a sense, what he's saying is obedience to parents is a foundational principle of cultural success. In other words, we see it in our society today where parents have no authority, where there is complete unruliness in the home between children and parents. You have chaos. And so in a sense, as a general principle, if if life is going to go well in your society, there needs to be an honoring between the children and their parents, and it'll go well for you your land, and it'll go well for you in your life as a general principle. Go to the opposite of that. Wanton disobedience to parents, and that's where Paul goes to early in the book of Romans. Wanton disobedience to parents is a sign of spiritual and personal waywardness, and it's a sign of social disintegration. And so Paul can list a whole bunch of things in in early in the book of Romans of social disintegration, um, of idolatry and of homosexuality and other things that are sense are are breaking the norms of social uh, of a, a godly society. Included in that is the obedience to parents. Yeah. Social disintegration is the breaking of all of the cultural norms that God has established. So, in other words, what you're saying to some extent is that God is basically, in this point at least, saying 
I set up the family. This is the core to prosper in a community and go and beyond. The, mm-hmm. the family is the simple nuclei, if I can use that word, of your your service to me, my, my your Lord, and to, to each other. And then it's a beautiful thing to have a family yes. right there. And I have to tell you an interesting thing that I, I learned. I, I, I'm a student of architecture. I know about that much of it, but I, I've always loved to study it. And one of the reasons that Victorian homes, for the for the most part, were so large, was not to show off the not to be ostentatious to somebody that was walking by on the sidewalk and say, "Ooh, that's a big nice house." A lot of times, it was because it would hold multi generations, mm-hmm. and the the mom and dad were expected to live in the house and to be taken care of, or even to contribute a little bit in the family. And of course, that's that's dramatically changed. Our because society, society is so different than that. Yeah. What you mentioned too about the the core of a society being the family that is absolutely God's ideal. What you also said earlier about what the Ten Commandments show us is that we can't keep them. And in a sense, our society, just like every society from then till now, is the same way. And so God's laws are clear. They're they're the the absolute perfect core ideal. Is there disobedience in the family? You bet. Later on in the law, God will speak strongly about divorce. Uh, is there divorce in our families? You bet. And so we are we experience, like every culture does, the the imperfections of our humanity in our family, in our marriages, in in, in our nation, and and we are experiencing the repercussions of that. That doesn't reduce the ideal, and the ideal is honor your father and your mother. And when that ideal is perfectly met, it will go well with you. You will live long in the land. It's never perfectly met, which is why we need the Savior who not only forgives us of of that, but now empowers us to live in a better way. This one's going to get me in trouble. So does that mean in this day and age, when we put our our parents in an old folks home, as we used to call it. Is that a sin? No, no, everybody's different. Uh, Right now, my mom lives with Sue and me and it's taxing by the way. Um, I think, and she's a wonderful lady and she is, and she's 91. And yes, I think everybody has their own burden to bear. And now could it be a, a, um, easy way out? It could be, uh, not financially, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Some people's homes are not equipped to have their elderly parents in them. Um, Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. Let's talk about it, because it's not an easy answer. Again, Sue and I are doing it with my mom right now. It's not easy. And I did it with mine. And, And I wouldn't guarantee it. Uh, no, I wouldn't recommend it for everybody. You've got to consider the the, the possibility. You've got to consider, um, are you equipped to do it? Um, there will come a time, whether either physically or mentally, uh, that you are unable to do it. Right. So there, there could even be um, some criteria you need to follow to say, okay, we will have my elderly father in my home until this 
These things happen. Right. And then we realize we're not equipped to have them in our home. Right. These are specialized places that can deal with it. Totally. So is our society quick to, to that trigger? I think so, yes. And yet I wouldn't want to heap on too much guilt for families that choose not to do it. It's an individual decision that prayerfully I think everyone's going to have to make. It will tax you personally. It'll tax your marriage. It'll tax your family if you do it. The rewards could be wonderful. But just be wise as you're doing it. Um, I, I found it was wonderful. Just a small example was when Jesus demonstrated his perfect obedience by providing for the care of his mother. I love John. That take care of her. She's yeah. she's now your you are now her yeah. son. And I think that was wonderful. So and what just what Mark's just... referring to is on the cross. One of the last things Jesus says, he looks down below him as he's being crucified, and he sees his mother there. And he sees the Apostle John there and he looks down at them and he looks at John and he says, behold, your mother. And he looks at Mary and he says, behold, your son. I, I think that's a beautiful. It really is. He we're, made sure she was taken care of. We're running out of time here, but I just I, I found this interesting when I was reading about that. God has providentially given the child his parents and it's the responsibility of the child to take care of his parents. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Providentially. Would I have wished for William to be my dad? No, but he was given to me to help develop me into the person I am now. I mean, think about it. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm not sure I would have been if I didn't have my dad, mm -hmm. my earthly that's, dad. That's all part of the providence. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. Can I give three words? Sure. Um, that John Calvin's one of my favorite writers, and he says a lot about all the Ten Commandments, both in his institutes, and he has a whole printed sermon series in the Ten Commandments. And he talks about three parts of this honor, reverence, obedience. And although the obedience is similar to what you and I were talking about, he says, like other, sub, other areas of submission to authority, it's not an absolute. So when your parents make you go against the Lord's will or your government for that, when your government makes you go against the Lord's will, you don't obey it. So reverence, obedience. And I love this third one. Gratefulness. Yes. That we are grateful for them. As, as imperfect as they are, to be able to to come to the point um, that we are grateful. And he said, and we, and we exercise our gratefulness to them as they get older by doing good for them. Mm. Sweet. So as we close, I'll let you close, but one last idea. When you think of honor your father and your mother, look at your belly button. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today for A Fresh Take. Your support means so much to us as we get this podcast off the ground. So if you enjoyed today's episode, would you please consider leaving a review to help us get the word out to more listeners? You can also subscribe to A Fresh Take right now and guarantee that you will never miss a new episode. The video version of this podcast is available on the Trinity Menor YouTube channel or by visiting trinitymenor.com slash learn and grow where you can also catch up on past episodes of Pastor Paul's video series, Take 5, or read back through his blog, To The Point. A Fresh Take is hosted by Mark Pennell alongside Pastor Paul Sartorelli and is a ministry of Trinity Church in Menor, Ohio. Our musical selections are provided courtesy of Michael Burrett from the Eastman School of Music. Visit trinitymenor.com for more information about Trinity and its ministries. Thank you for listening today. We'll see you next time.